Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. is up wizards fans welcome to another believe in wizards podcast i'm matt moderno i'm gonna be joined here in a minute by jihadi white just want to get our ad reads and stuff out of the way before we start a convo today's show we're going to get into a lot of great stuff i think this is a loaded one for you we're going to talk about the last couple games for the wizards and just some trends and themes that you know kind of emerged over the last i don't know week week or so and and uh, get jihadi's perspective on that then we'll close the show by bringing in jacob duel Jacob is a writer for the Pick and Roll, an Australian website that covers all things Australian hoop. So he's going to talk about the Wizards' recent signing of Sydney Kings forward Xavier Cooks. So we'll get into all that when he joins us here in a minute. As always, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and, of course, Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season, everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You can always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, BetOnline is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEF, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, as I mentioned, the Wizards are signing Sydney Kings forward Xavier Cooks. He was this year's MVP of the National Basketball League. That's Australia's Pro League. He was last year's Finals MVP. And his team is in the finals again this year, so he could theoretically be back-to-back finals MVP and a regular season MVP. So it's a pretty impressive player. Andrew Bogut said, a lot of people forgot that X was kind of our motor. Defensively, he's a menace. He's one of the best rebounders in the league. He rebounds way bigger than his size. He can push the ball. He's a great passer. He just constantly puts pressure on the rim. People kind of forget how good he is. So ringing endorsement from a guy that played a lot of years in the NBA. Hopefully that translates. We'll see. We'll get into that a little bit later here in the show. So at this point, I just want to talk about where the Wizards are in general. So I'm going to bring on my co-host, Jahati White, and uh, we'll get this conversation rolling. Okay, pleased as always to bring in my co-host, Jahati White. Jahati, how's it going? What's up, Matt, my man? How's it going? Uh, interesting week of Wizards basketball, so I'm excited to be doing this. I think we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about here with everybody. Let's maybe start with the most recent game, a 117-111 loss to the Bucks. You and I were talking a little bit here before pressing record, and I, I think it's a good combo that people will want to hear. We both thought that the Wizards looked really good offensively. They did a lot of good stuff. A lot of guys were involved despite being shorthanded. I had some questions for you about the defense. Uh, the Bucks were 12 of 29 from three in the first half. They finished 22 of 49 overall. The Wizards were three of 17 from three in the first half and finished eight of 31. Uh, Bucks bench outscored them 26 to 12. A lot of those were on wide open threes. Uh, the Wizards said their game plan was basically to pack the paint and not let Giannis beat them around the rim, not let Brooke, you know, Brooke Lopez beat them around the other rim. And 
The Wizards outscored Milwaukee 58 to 28 in the paint, but it was essentially like trading threes for twos, it seemed like. And in the first half, the Wizards gave up all those threes. And when asked about it at halftime, assistant coach Zach Guthrie said, well, we'll just kind of have to hope that these guys don't make as many threes in the second half. To me, that's that's awful wishful thinking. Like you've got wide open shooters, uh, they're NBA players, and, and you're basically not running their better shooters off the line, uh, at least, um, and forcing them into some tougher twos. Like just at some point, you got to change a losing game plan, right? I, I just thought that was kind of a weird strategy. Uh, I, I get why you do it against Milwaukee, but at some point, if it's not working, don't you mix it up? I don't know. What were your thoughts on on their defensive game plan against Milwaukee, I guess? It's already been tried yeah. years before. And Giannis <laughs> kept going to the paint all the time. Yeah. Teams, that's been teams' defensive philosophy. Mm-hmm. Let's pack the paint. Let, let's let Chris Middleton beat us or mm-hmm. let's let somebody else shoot the ball, right? And it's, it's, it was effective then. But Milwaukee's not, you know, they're an NBA team, an NBA organization. They have recruited guys in just for that particular defensive scheme. So now we can get it on the inside. Now we can get it on the outside. We have great shooters. So it's a great philosophy. Then it's not effective now. Um, you now you have to close out to those Milwaukee shooters at the books. They got they have too many too many weapons, right? Yeah, Holiday you just have too many weapons there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Giannis still was going into the paint. Either way, <laughs> yeah, you can't right? He was it. still going into the paint. So <laughs> your defensive scheme didn't work anyway as far as even packing in the paint. I mean, I, and to me, man, I just have to say that Gafford had to step up. <laughs> if, uh, defensive all around, but defensively, if that's your, if that's the scheme you're going for and you're riding that out, Gafford, you got to be there. You can't be scared of the moment. You can't say I have Giannis tonight, so I'm gonna shy away. Sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to him and just ride and foul him, right? So, mm-hmm. so to me, I'm if I want to know if Gaff is down for the for the opportunity first. You going you down for the assignment? Because if not, then let let's let's figure another assignment out. Even though the assignment should have been kind of reevaluated anyway. I think they struggled a little bit in this game. One, you didn't have Kyle Kuzma, another guy that probably would have gotten some minutes on Giannis. And then you had Denny Abdia battling with, I don't know, let's put this delicately, some stomach issues throughout the game, I think uh, limited him to, for somebody like Gavard that's been so foul prone his whole career, he's been a lot better lately from that perspective. But uh, to your point, like, it, it just seemed well, like that, not, that, that wasn't going to work for him. You know, like that. Yeah, but even if that is the case, you got to give us something off. To me, Gafford is an ultimate athlete. Mm-hmm. I think he's given his team just enough or not. He He's not challenging himself. From his ability, his athletic ability, his potential. What, what was that, Toronto game? What, had he, 18 he, was, he was really good in one of the Toronto games and not as good in the other one. Right. So, which means, okay, I'm – if I want to go out here and if I feel good, if I feel good at this moment, if I'm if I if I'm having a good day, that, then I'm I'm gonna show my ability. That's we gotta if we can get that Toronto ability, which he's definitely capable of, uh, capable of, more consistently. We would have won that Milwaukee game. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I think that's probably something you have to do against Giannis too, is make him work really hard on the other end. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. Porzingis wasn't scared at the moment. Right. 
It's true. Right. And then Denny, Denny went off. Denny had a very good game. Yeah, we got to yeah. give him some props there. And again, battling through some stuff. Uh, Gafford also left that second uh, Raptors game with an ankle sprain. So I'm wondering if maybe he was also a little limited in that Bucks game. I, you you tell me. I, I think at this point in the season, everybody's got, you know, an ankle sprain or, or you know, some, some tender point. But uh, I do wonder if that kind of slowed him down a little bit. Certain teams know what time it is in the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those certain teams that know what time it is and those that coaches and that team all are on the same wavelength, like synchronized, they don't have to say, hey, coach, I'm, I'm injured or I'm hurt. Sure. If you hurt, then let's go. Yeah. Right. Difference in hurt and injured for sure. The difference between hurt and injured. The difference between a sickness and a cold. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so at this moment, if you know what you if, if the team is on one accord with their and what goal they're trying to achieve, if they really trying to get in that playoff tournament. Yeah. Is Kuzma are you hurt or injured? Yeah. Gafford, are you hurt or injured? Yeah. Because if you hurt, it's ways we can get through this mm-hmm. you know i'm not saying you know we're putting the players out there or, or you know just making them science experiments or anything but but where's your what's your goal mm-hmm. yeah, right because there's a time. lot of teams it's a lot i mean it, most of the teams out there that's doing well right now that's that's really playing great after the all-star break it's a lot of hurt players mm-hmm. but that but it's a bigger goal for them Look at the Knicks right now. Can't yeah. tell me it's her player, not her players that's on the court producing, p- putting buckets in the basket and yeah, playing battling. solid on defense and buying into the chemistry and and fighting for one common goal right now. And it, it and that's the that's the it's bigger than being hurt. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And 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 with the Wizards, we we dealt with that hurt. Somebody hurt. Somebody's injured. Somebody hurt. After a while, you want to play? I I play? I'm with you. I I think excuses are a thing that drive fans the most nuts. And you had Wes Unseld say, "Well, I don't want to make excuses, but we looked really tired out there." And it's like, okay, well, you just made an excuse. And uh, you had Brad saying like. You know, on his mindset after the Bucks loss, we can't keep talking about moral victories. Those don't exist once February hits. We got to start winning. I have to be better at leading and be making sure that everyone, everyone else understands that every game counts. So to me, it's just it's like it's lip service. We get up there. We say the same thing after every game, after every loss. Like, I don't know what what Brad is supposed to say, you know, but it, it's. At a certain point, like, yeah, guys should know that this is the point in the season. Like, if we're still having to have that same conversation 60 games in, maybe these aren't the right dudes. Or or the mission is not bigger. They're not bigger than the mission, right? They're, they're, the mission is not bigger than them, mm-hmm. right? Right? Certain, certain teams at this point, the mission is the main thing. Yeah. Right. And you're going to sacrifice for that. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not, if, if you go out and miss a game because you hurt, then you're bigger than the mission. 
Right. Yeah. Again, key distinction, hurt and injured. We're not telling anybody to go out there, you know, with the leg falling off or anything like that. But uh, like Monte Morris. But it's, a, it's a big difference. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. It's like, a big difference. Sprained ankle, tape that bad boy up, you know? If it's spray, if you can if you can hop, jump up and down on it, you know, yeah. tape yeah. it up. The Monte Ice. Morris one, I think, is a little more serious. He's had to yeah, get multiple back, back, back injections and stuff. Like that, um, um, you know, if you're week to week, like that's we really don't know what your status is. So I'm not advocating for rushing him back. No. Kuzma, you know, like the knee is a little sore. I, I they'll have to tell us how severe that is. Yeah, but Kuzma been playing this game also. I mean, I'm not saying a game, but he's been consistently missing games all season. Brad too, you know. But I, I have to give it to Brad. He's been he's been when after the All Star break, he know what time it is. Yeah, I, I I would I would push back on the Kuzma thing a little bit. I I think he's been one of their healthier players so far this year. He and Denny are are kind of the guys that um have missed a lot less games. Uh, Brad probably missed at least a third of their games this year. Like you're to your point, been better after the all-star break, but uh, I don't know. I, yeah, but it's not having been consistent, right? Sure. It hasn't been consistent. Not even not with Kuzma either. You know, mm-hmm. he's been out some too, you know, mm-hmm. but I just don't see him. How do you miss Milwaukee's game? Although, <laughs> although, Saw a lot more ball movement. Yeah, that is true. Saw a lot more ball movement. Other right? guys got involved. I think a Denny Denny goes off. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's tough to scout when you have much more ball movement. Right. We got a lot more scoring from different, you know, and all you know, all players, a lot of different players, you know. So they got into the paint a lot more too. Got in the paint much more, right? I think uh Porzingis really played played good too. So yeah, I saw a lot more ball movement. So you know, Kuzma does he, he's he's not an off the ball player. You know, it, it kind of sticks with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which sometimes this team needs, and sometimes you know you, you got to find a balance if you're him, right? Like I, right. I, I don't know how you convince a guy like that to do that at this point in the season. It doesn't seem like that's being reinforced. Maybe I, I don't know. I, I, like how. I guess, Johnny, how does a player, how does a coach go to a player and say, hey, like, this is what worked while you weren't in. We need it to work while you are in and and get them to buy into that. Respect. Right. I mean, a lot of times after the All-Star break, you see it's a lot of little small things where you can see how much the, the players really buy into what the coach is saying and respect value. And then mm-hmm. sometimes you don't, right? And a lot of times it's injuries or, or quote-unquote injuries, right? Right. right? That's, to me, that's the biggest sign of respect value, like how much that those those, those players respect that coach, right? And if, and if you are one of those coaches, you can say it, mm-hmm. right? You can say it. Believe me. Mike Brown has said over at uh, Sacramento, he said in a heartbeat. (laughs) Papa said, you know. Do we think Wes Unseld is not saying it to these guys? Like, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not saying it. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not not getting through at the very least. You know, I've been around Wes a long time, even when I was there, Wes was there. So Wes know, Wes really knows how, you know, he knows the game, knows how the organization works. Mm -hmm. But if he's not saying it, he needs to say it. 
Right. Yeah, makes sense. I, I think um, to your point here, like for me on a basketball court, obviously at much lower levels than you played at, but I'm happy to play next to a guy and let him take all the shots if he's making all the shots. But it becomes very quickly when it's not certain guys night and when they don't seem to acknowledge that it, it makes it really tough for the team. And And Kuzma definitely seems like the kind of guy sometimes that doesn't seem to acknowledge that maybe it's not his night. And uh, I, I think that might be tough for certain guys to play with potentially. That's what I'm, that's my whole point, though. Yeah, I know. I am. Is, I'm the, mission, with is you. the mission bigger? Than, is the mission the main thing? Because what Kuzma, he's on a, you know. Okay, basketball, yeah, it's contract. Yeah, basketball is a basketball is a business at the end of, end of the day. Yeah, sure. Your contract is based on your stats, numbers you put up. Yeah. Win or lose, hey, I, if I still can show I have thirty, you got to respect that when it's money time. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is great, but if you go all the way, you go far. You don't really have to use all those negotiation tactics, yeah. right? If Especially you're winning, if they're you going to want to bring you primary down. part of the team yeah. going to that point because they know, hey, we, either way, we need them, mm-hmm. right? So, I don't – sometimes uh, I question that. I, I just be honest, I question that because, you know, and it, it goes to things that's just off the court too, you know, how, the, the, uh, the attention – yeah. <laughs> seem like it's, it's more about the attention and it, and I don't don't get me wrong. I think Kuzma is a great player. I really, Same. I really value his game. I mm-hmm. value how how if everything breaks down, you can give it to Kuzma and you make it. You you say hey, he can give us something. Mm-hmm. You know, right? I think that's just uh, that's you can't replace that type of player. Sure. Right? And those, that player is completely so valuable. I even show my kids video of Kuzma how he gets a shot so mm-hmm. don't get me wrong I, what I question is what's more important All right and I, mm-hmm. and me personally I want him to to buy say hey the mission is more important than me probably being hurt I'm not saying he's not injured or whatever I'm not sure. saying that but to me if he isn't injured and he's just hurt you got to go out there right you may have to pass up some shots. You know, you might have to sacrifice a 30-point game for a 20-point game for the, for the W. And if you have a good agent, they can sell that on, hey, he only had 20, but it was super efficient 20. Don't like right. that impacts winning too. I think that's something that maybe they haven't, I don't know, that doesn't seem mm-hmm. to register with him too much, that right. better efficiency would go over a long way sometimes. I agree. Uh, the kind of the flip side of this is Chris Tapps Porzingis and Chase Hughes of NBC Sports Washington wrote a really good article uh, this week about Porzingis and how good he's been in the first quarter of these games and just a couple stats I cherry picked from that. But he's now tied with Devin Booker for sixth in points per quarter this season. He averaged 8.1 points in the first quarter, which is more than Steph Curry, Giannis, Nikola Jokic, and a bunch of other top players. He's shooting 55% from the field and 41% from three in the first quarter, but really trails off in a lot of these games. The other night he had 18 in the first quarter and finished with 24. It's like they need him to be more selfish, I think. And if you can do that in the first quarter against the team, why can't we ever see that in the fourth quarter? Like this team never goes to him 
in the final five minutes of a game, like never. So I I don't understand how we can't find a better balance. Like um, Porzingis himself has said that, you know, he wants to uh, like try to get his teammates going and all this other stuff, you know, after they gets off to a good start. And his theory is that teams are so keyed in on Brad that, um, you know, maybe they're, they're not locking, like as locking him down as much early. I don't know how much I buy that stuff, but well, I'd, I'd rather have him go for 40 and us win the game than uh, everybody be happy and feel good about how many touches they got too. So if I'm Brad, I want to get Porzingis off early. Sure. Makes sense. Right. It opens the game up for me later. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And if I'm Porzingis, I don't mind you getting me off early. Mm-hmm. But I mind when I stop touching the ball. Right. You got to go back right? to him too and keep it and going. And so if I'm Porzingis, that, that statement he made to me is is kind of ridiculous because it's the wrong outlook, right? Because to me, to me, Porzingis, I'm a, I was a five. Mm-hmm. I knew for me to touch the ball, I had to go through four people. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'm not in control of, I'm not mm-hmm. really in control of the shots I take. Yeah, you're right. Somebody on the else has to say, I'm deciding to give you the ball to take this shot. Yep. That's the position Porzingis is in. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I'm in a position where I don't get to bring the ball down the court, I don't get to bring the ball down the court because if I bring the ball down the court, then that's the first I get to decide my shot first. Yeah. Right. I'm breaking it. I'm breaking the offense. I'm getting my shots off. Right. Yeah. Easy. If I'm two, I know well if if the point breaks the offense and don't take the shot, it keeps the offense going. Ball's going to me next. Mm-hmm. The ball has to go to three people before Porzingis. So to me, I gotta, I have to be selfish with everything I get. I, I, He's I, effective. Yeah, Porzingis is very, very effective. Not only that, he's effective off the dribble, right? He can, he's effective off the ball. Yeah. He's effective with the ball, right? And his maybe as so, any center in the league, honestly. I mean, like yeah, he can do both. Yeah. Right? Did you see him? I mean, look at him against Milwaukee. Gave you everything in the bag, mm-hmm. full bag, yep. right? So, if I'm Porzingis, I'm Brad's gonna get his. Sure, Brad's gonna make sure, of it, right? And Brad's gonna and we're gonna work hard. And he's gonna give give me give us some good, efficient scoring when it's his time to go, right? So, and Porzingis is not. I mean, if you take if you break down Porzingis scoring. He's given a lot for his quarter, but, you know, if you break down his scoring in quarters, he still will be still, at, you know, if he got first five in the first quarter, he still would probably be still scoring. He's scoring about four to five points a quarter. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, other than the first quarter. Mm-hmm. So he still would be, give us, be ranging almost double digits, uh, you know, high double digits. Yep. So if I'm poising, so you're not doing bad either way. Sure. But – how he's ranked like in the top, but eight in the NBA and, and scoring first, first half. It's a drop off. Teams I mean, know that it's not, not, it's not like teams don't know it now. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. So These other teams are like stupid. Saying, yeah. Hey, yeah. let you, let you have it. Yeah. Oh, they, they're playing defense on him. He's, he can score. He's an efficient yeah. scorer. He's a good scorer. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. So at, from there, it's just like, Hey, 
anything I'm t- <laughs> anything I'm touching, right? Lowe's is, yeah. is a good shot, and I can put the ball in the bucket. I got to take. If your teammates come down and take a bunch of bad shots in a row in a second quarter after you just lit everybody up, at what point do you grab somebody by the jersey and say, hey, throw me the effing ball? Like, I mean, he, you got to demand that thing at some point, right? You got to be that guy. You got you to gotta speak up. You got to be that guy. And more or less, though, if you think about most of Porzingis' shots, they come from Brad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot right, of pick and so roll he there. has to have that talk with Brad. Hey, Brad, hey, I'm down with you getting your 30. Sure. But I still got to get something throughout yeah, the game. You got to help me get my thirty, right? I mean, that's... right now, I, hey, I appreciate you letting me get these this <laughs> this fifteen, this seventeen first half. I appreciate you, dog, because in the end of the day, you know, I'm winning. My stats are winning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I gotta, I gotta be more. I gotta score more throughout the game, yeah. right? Don't I'm not. I don't want to take away from you doing the rest of you know. But Brad said, you know, because if I'm Brad, I'm saying, hey, man, I'm getting you everything first half. I got to still I'm, – I'm the leader of the team. Mm-hmm. I'm the face of the franchise. Yep. I'm going to have to put up my shots. Right. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's I got to get mine too, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a business at the end of the day. The difference is I think – I know that Brad, he wants to – he wants to – he wants to win. Mm-hmm. Right? He – and you've been there that long. You're like, look, man, we got to – eventually, this all eyes going to point toward me. I I think this would be good for Brad, to, especially to close games, if they did get other guys more involved or made more of a concerted effort to do that, especially with Monte Morris out. Like, DeLon Wright hit a big three in one uh, the first of those Raptors games. Or no, second. Sorry, I went to both Raptors games, and I am now blurring which one was which. But yeah. Uh, the second one where DeLon hit that three to send it to overtime. Like, it's not that he can't make shots, but he's not going to create a ton of stuff for himself off the dribble. So when he's out there and you have no Kuzma, like there's a lot more reliance on Brad to generate all of the offense. And I'd love to see him generating all of that offense via two man game with Porzingis. And they never seem to do it. You're asking Brad to bring the ball up the court because Monte is not the tightest ball handler. And now we're ISOing for him on like five consecutive possessions. Right. And he was good in most of them, but eventually like good defense and a long defense, like the Raptors are not the team I want Brad to have to go ISO ball against every time. They're going to switch everything. You've got either Gary Trent, OG Ananobi, or Pascal Siakam he's got to shoot over. Like that's a tough ask and you're not going to beat them every time down the court, but you couldn't run pick and roll and try to get Fred Van Fleet back on Porzingis. Like, so there's got to be some way to vary this offense in the final five minutes of these games. There's there's at least 10 games I can think of this year where they've stalled out in the final five minutes and they run the same shit every time or don't run the same shit every time, basically. So, so how do you how do you translate that first quarter success from Porzingis into closing? Gotta, to me, you got to create a motion. You got to create a motion more like Golden State does with Steph Curry. OK, right. Brad plays very well off the ball. Mm-hmm. Almost sometimes scores better off the ball. I think he does. Yeah. Right, so in that fourth quarter, I mean, I know you, you the take is not as on full as it should be, but yeah. I'll be running Brad off screens, curl screens, UCLA cuts, mm-hmm. pick, pick and pops, everything. Give him all one easy of, look, right? Yeah, easy looks. Mm-hmm. Right, not saying, hey, Brad, because what happens is you limit yourself when you have to ISO. Yeah. Sometimes you limit yourself. Most time when you limit, most time when you ISO is 
kind of limit yourself from a three pointer. Yeah. Right. So, so now we we Step we're battling three twos with threes. Yeah. Right. So, I'm 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 running all type of crazy motion for Brad in the fourth yeah. quarter. It, it seems like they do this ISO with the hope that he'll kick out, but. I'm not respecting Corey Kispert, you know, no disrespect to him. But if I'm another team, even if he's gone four for four for the game, I'm still putting all that attention on Brad because I've scouted the Wizards and I know that most of the time that's what they're going to do. The chances of him kicking it out to Kispert for a wide open three in the final two minutes of a game are pretty low. The chances of him kicking out to Denny for a wide open three are pretty low. Like they don't even try to run like anything to get Porzingis a wide open three. And he's been one of their, you know, better three point shooters for at least portions of these, of, of these games. So it just, at some point I'm a big fan of if something doesn't work, do something different. And, and they've shown that this doesn't work for them to do only Brad. ISO. that's because Kispert is standing on a, standing in the corner, not never moving. moving. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Denny probably doing the same thing, standing in the corner, not moving. Delon, same thing. And I only right? hit so, one of them, but you know, <laughs> like so, your only option really outside of Brad is a kick out to Porzingis. Yeah, right. So if I'm the coach, saying well, really, the only really options are those two mm-hmm. because no one's moving. These other players are, you know, we 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 can't. We have to respect them, but we haven't seen them to be clutch in it or even have the opportunity to be clutch. And, you know, we have to go off of what time has shown over and over again. Mm-hmm. So you have to run something completely different. You have to have to if you have everybody standing around then the defense is not don't have to work. Everybody can focus in on the person with the ball. Yep. So, yeah, if, we, we yeah, you have you have to create some some new stuff, you know. If I'm Nick Nurse, I'm saying, like, let's let Corey Kispert see if he can beat us. If he can hit 10 threes in this game, you know, more power to him. Like, I I, I would dare them. I'd be surprised if the ball make it to him. <laughs> right. I, I totally agree. Right? I'd be surprised. If, I mean, even if it's an attempted pass, I'd be surprised if the ball gets there if all eyes are on one person. Yep. You know, five guys can be able to stop that, you know. I just don't see the ball getting there. And that's supposedly one of the, like, pros of this sort of isocentric way of playing is that if one guy has it and there aren't a lot of passes, you limit the opportunities for turnovers. Well, Brad has been very turnover heavy in these situations. And I'm not even like, I'm not trying to slam on Brad for anybody that's pro Brad and they think they're taking it that way. It's just, it's not setting him up to be successful. He doesn't have the tightest handle in the league. He's not Kyrie. He's not Steph. It's a lot to ask for him to beat these guys off the dribble six consecutive times, and then kick it out and knock him off. That's why I would run him off three screens. Yep, these two, right? Run, you say late cut or Mm -hmm. back door cut, right? Just run him off. I mean, he he, fourth quarter. Brad is my Steph Curry. Yeah, treat him that way. Yeah, I would. That's I would start creating. Some offenses just like me. I would just completely take all the motion, all the good motion offenses that the, the Warriors run. And that's where the lead is going anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we're the only ones that don't seem to do that. We treat him like Luca or somebody. Where like, <laughs> right. And it's just, it's not, it's not playing to his strengths, in, in my opinion. It's, I'm glad we're on the same page there because it, it drives me and I think a lot of people kind of crazy. The one thing I will say about Porzingis, and it's not like a crazy criticism, but it's very glaring when it doesn't work. 
And there are a lot of times where he gets like a little switched on to him, like especially in those Raptors games. If you have a dozen possessions where Fred Van Fleet is guarding you, you can't settle for a 17 foot fadeaway or something or like a weird sort of like half leaning bank shot. Like I understand leverage and he's, you know, like those guys are stronger than they look, but but we don't, he doesn't have one post move or one counter. If someone's like leaning up on him, I mean, like jump hook, you can't spin off somebody like, like drop step. Like, I, I don't, I don't understand like how we can't, we can't find a better way for him to exploit these mismatches when he gets someone that's six feet tall. Like, I understand. Uh, yes, he should be able to dominate that guy. But then again, have you ever seen a seven foot referee? <laughs> I can't can't see the fouls that's going on there. No, just have you ever seen one? I have not. No. Have you seen a six nine referee? I have not. So, if Porzingis hits someone that's six three, sure. six four, who's, who's the ref going to call on? Who's the ref going to feel more sympathy for? Sure. Porzingis knows that playing this long, right? You know that. This the first thing to do, guys don't do is flop. Mm-hmm. Foul on Porzingis. Sure. That's just how it's going to go down. Yeah. Right? It's very unfair, but no one's going to feel sorry for Porzingis. If Porzingis hit, hits that guy that's guarding him, slap him on the hand, it's going to be the worst foul in the world. If that guy hits Porzingis, slap him on the hand. The ref is going to be like, you can't take that? Right, you're half, yeah, he's like, half your size. Yeah, yeah you have your size. Like, uh, it's not the fact that it's still a foul. Sure. Not the fact that it may sting the same way. You know, it's like. I hadn't thought of it that know, way. Yeah. Like, quit bitching, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, you're seven foot 12. And that's exactly. So, that the unfair part of refereeing is most refs, only see the game from the perspective they've played the game in, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only way you can, right? So yeah. Porzingis knows that after playing so long, man, this, if I do anything to this smaller player, it's a foul on me. Mm-hmm. It, if, like, I'm about Fred Fleet's height, and let's just say I'm guarding you. You know, you're much closer to Porzingis's height. I... If you turn and face up, there's very little I can do about it. Like, I'm not even saying back him down from 17 feet and hope the guy doesn't flop. Like, there has to be something other than a leaner or a fade or something. Like, even if he just turned and faced up, it, it would still be a cleaner look than a lot of the stuff they seem to get. Like, there was one where, it, and it was probably a foul to your point, where Fred Van Fleet is leaning on on Porzingis's thigh as he fades and misses a bank shot. And he eventually hit one that was pretty clutch late. But you can't go one for five when you have that little on. There's got to be something. Whether you're doing the work before the ball gets there to establish better position, even 12 feet versus 17 feet makes a difference. I, there's got to be some way One to thing that, though, right? can really do if he turn and face up with a guy that's smaller, which means think about how, how far that ball is going up and down mm-hmm. on his dribbles. Right? Yeah, I, I don't want him to so, well, so now like he's that. basically going to have to turn his shoulder to him and crab dribble all him all the way down the entire mm-hmm. time. Right. Right. Yeah. Which then if Fred's strong enough, he has a, a leverage because Porzingis is not a big body. He's not, exactly. uh, yeah. you know, he's not one of those. He's got the high center. He's not a charge, yeah. you know, he's not a big, strong body. He's just a, sure. he's a long, skinny body. So I get what you're saying. Porzingis, he better off just in 
a few crab dribbles and going up. Yeah. I, I know it's not as easy as I'm making it, but while watching it, all I can think is we It looks we've, ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. But watching it, it looks ridiculous. Like, man, yeah. right, get your butt in there and, and take them down and put them yeah. in a basket. Something. It looks yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Right? But other than putting that guy on your shoulder or trying to blow by his blow by off his shoulder, you can't just back that little guy down. It's 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 all bad all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah, I that makes sense. I, and, I, and that's why I wanted your perspective so much. I've only ever been the little guy in this situation. So right. <laughs> I'm wondering uh, it worked it worked in it worked in pickup. That's right. Yeah. It worked in pickup all day, but in the game in the league, that makes sense. Those guys that their goal is not to guard you. Their goal is to rip you or yeah. fall to the ground. Right, exactly. Force a turnover in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. yeah. Uh switching gears to the defensive end a little bit here. Since the turn uh, of the new year here, the Wizards are a top 10 team in terms of half-court defense. And I, I want to get your perspective on this just because this is something that comes up a lot. And and former players and coaches and analytics guys all seem to have sort of different, like, different perspectives on this one. So I'm curious where you fall. I am of the opinion that a lot of long, long shots, long threes, long twos, they lead to transition baskets. And the Wizards being a more um paint centric offense or or uh less three point centric offense i think that actually helps them in terms of transition defense because they're not taking these long shots and it allows them to set up their half court defense a lot better than some of these other teams do does that does that make sense it does it makes sense yes but then you you go on for threes for twos you're exchanging threes for twos it's hard to do that. I'm, I'm not saying they should do it. I'm just wondering if if the way they play offensively does help them be a better defense. I would, I would, you would have a better point if they were a better defensive team. They, they are a top twelve defensive team overall so far in the NBA this year, and they're top ten, or I think they're eighth in terms of half court defense. From my perspective, it's too many paint touches and not enough closeouts. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, then from my perspective, sure. I, I get the I get the stats, yeah, yeah. I get the uh, analytics, yep. right? Top twelve, but from my perspective, it's too maybe, many. Paint maybe, touches. maybe it's thirteen, but but they're a top half. Well, but have, how many paint touches did in the, in the, them playing the Knicks? How many times did the Knicks get in the paint? I agree. The Knicks destroyed them. Randall. How many Randall times looked did, like Prime Shack? They cramp. They they their their defensive strategy was to pile in the paint with Milwaukee. And and they still got in the paint. So, and how much? How many three pointers did they get off? So my whole point is this: Yeah, off off stats and analytics, great. Mm-hmm. But to me, they will still be a even more, much more better defensive team than what the stats show. Sure. If if the scenario you put down as far as trading twos for threes was that effective, mm-hmm. more effective defensively. That's fair. Yeah. I, I'm, I, the defensive like metrics thing is always interesting to me too. And and I'm, I'm just, I'm throwing it out and there. Because- and, and I don't cut you off and not saying you don't have a point and not saying it's, it's, it's a thing because look, we all know long shots make long rebounds. Yeah. I, right. Yeah. I, I, I make the, that's the point about their 
their defensive stats because someone listening to this is going to make the same same argument. I'm inclined to agree with you that the margins are so small between the eighth best defense and the 15th best defense in the NBA that if they just did this a little bit better on a couple key possessions even, I think that would swing them even further up those rankings. To your point, like if they if they cut down on some penetration on a couple key possessions, it, it doesn't take a lot for them to like jump a couple spots on the team. Like a few of those, right. like that Randall game, he, he dominated them. And I think, you know, even games like that, that eventually I'm sure they're a wash over the course of the season, but it costs you a game. So they're very glaring when they do get beat around the paint or beat around the rim like that. True. Right. Uh, one other thing I thought was interesting. Kyle Kuzma did an interview uh, with Chris Miller of NBC Sports, and he was talking about why he picked Utah as a college after having some bigger offers later in his recruitment. And he said, I just picked Utah because they showed me love and I'm big on being places where they showed me love. And he continued on about just wanting to be where people want him. To me, that's like a don't be surprised when this guy resigns here in the offseason conversation. Uh, There was a lot of conjecture earlier that he wanted to be in a bigger market and all this stuff. And it got leaked out. To me, this is the opposite. Like, if you show me the love, I'm happy to come back here. That's how I took that, at least. Is Is that reasonable, do you think? If I'm Kuzma, I know the Wizards can pay me more than anyone else. Right. There are very few teams that could um right. Could if I, Kuzma, I know, okay, they have the they can pay me more than any sure. any other team. So please, Wizards, show me love. <laughs> it's a message to the Wizards saying, Hey, I want to be here if you want me. Want me here because I want to be here because this is the this is the contract that I would love to sign with this um, this amount of money you can offer. That's really what it is, right? Yeah. I, I'm. That's how I read through it. There's a very. This is one of the few situations in life where you can qualitatively or quantitatively measure some how much someone loves you, and it's a dollar amount. So I think you're definitely right that there's a there's a price tag there that goes with that. That's funny. Um. All right, just just kind of switching gears here a little bit, just more sort of NBA centric stuff here. Uh, any thoughts on the John Morant situation at all? Like, I, just to be, we've talked about this with the Brandon Miller thing. If if I'm the agent, I'm with him at all times. There's PR training, there's media training. Like, I would be monitoring the social media. You're not posting gun photos on Instagram. Um, like. I would I would lock it down. I know I work for you as the agent, but I would make it very clear like you're costing yourself money. You're costing yourself a shoe deal potentially. Like it doesn't take much now for team for guys to get canceled and things like that. Like you got to be very careful and sensitive to that, especially where we are. Yeah, yeah. So, let me ask you a question. Sure. If you made it to the NBA, you mm-hmm. made it to the NBA from where are you from? Would you have to go back to your neighborhood and do a turkey giveaway? You don't. You definitely don't have to. He does so much other great stuff. I'm talking with you. Would you? Yeah, I would think so. You would. Would you I hope have so. to go back to your community, throw camp uh, for all the kids? I, Are you I obligated? Are you obligated? You're definitely not obligated to. Um, right. Definitely. Are you obligated to create a scholarship fund for? Your, your foundation, are you obligated? Of course not. Okay. Well, the thing is, 
these black players, you know, and the black players, when we make it, we're obligated to, we feel that we're very, we're obligated to do that. And that we are, and we should do that, right? But it's the, the guilt part of giving back to your community, keeping it real with your, 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 your friends and all the people you grew up with and everything, right? Sure, makes sense. So, and it's such a pressure to do that. Sometimes it really gets mixed up, right? And I think what Jay-Z had to say in one of his, in one of his uh, in songs, right? He said, everybody look at you strange, say you change, like you worked this hard to stay the same, right? Yeah, good point. And that's how we got to start looking at, because yeah. that's how we got to start looking at once we, all the sacrifices we did to make it here, mm-hmm. right? right? We're supposed to change. We worked hard enough to be able to say, hey, do now he has a big head. He's supposed to. He worked his heart. He sacrificed when you know, everybody else was outside playing or doing silly stuff. Or he had to be in the gym. Yeah. Right. He didn't get a chance to be a normal kid. Mm-hmm. Right. So now all these hanger-ons or so so-called quote unquote friends. Now you're obligated to bring them up and you're obligated to keep it real with them and stay. You can't be the same person, right? Yeah. right? You, when you when the steps the steps were shown to you, the staircase was shown to you. You say, hey, I'm taking these steps and going up." It's not his fault, not your fault. He missed the stairs, yeah, right. And and I think that's Josh's issue is he's so obligated and so pressured and so guilt to keep it real with the real ones, his real homies, his homeboys, sure. right? But no one's obligated to be to keep it real with him. None of them are. Mm-hmm. Because if they were... They wouldn't do that to him. They wouldn't put him in those they positions. They wouldn't put him in those situations or, or stop him from putting himself in those situations. Yeah. You know, I remember um, one time I was in, when I first made it, when I first signed my big, my big, you know, my major check, right? Mm-hmm. My major contract. I said, I'm going to take all my homeboys to Miami. Took all my homeboys to Miami. We, you know, enjoyed ourselves. So one day, one night we're in, in Miami, we want to get in this, this to this club that was at this hotel. The hotel was all glass in front. Okay. So there was a bouncer, right? That was, you know, you know how usually NBA players, we walk up with our homeboys, say, hey, man, I'm either they know you or you say, I'm yeah, the way the NBA with the Washington Wizards, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. they usually let you right in. Well, this guy wasn't doing it that day. <laughs> Okay. Right. He was, I guess he was frustrated with everybody else that was trying to do the same thing. Taking it out on you. Right. So, um, so now me and my homeboys are in the front and this with a, a big crowd of people, everybody's trying to get in crowded. So he get overwhelmed. Sure. So he, he, he plays tough and he says, Hey, he draws a imaginary line with his foot. Say anybody cross this line gonna be trouble you gotta deal with me Uh-oh. well first yeah, i'm like well that's kind of you know well now you're challenging my manhood so yeah, I'm thinking you're, like, you're daring me to do something yeah, now. You're daring me to cross this line yeah. I, like let's go i'm gonna give it to you yeah. in my mind i thought that but obviously one of my one of the guys my one of my so-called friends thought the same thing and he ran across the line and tackled <laughs> the dude they started fighting right yeah the entire glass wall of the front of the building right outside crashes down oh shit okay so 
So now everybody who wanted to get in the party could just dive right in. So my man, I'm young. I'm about to dive right in too. <laughs> Another one of my friends tackles me right there. Pow. I'm like, man, what you tackling me for? He was like, you know, if you run into that party, they're going to say, you knocked that glass down. Nope. You did this. You did it. Right? Now, to this day, that's my best friend. All the other friends that were there that was running to that party or, or crossing the line, even though I thought of crossing the line, taking the guy out myself. Sure. Right? After my career was over, I didn't get a phone call from him anymore. Yeah, funny how that works, right? But the one friend that stopped me said, look, man. Let's go this way. Yep. Like you better yeah. not. Like he yeah. he tackled me, say we ain't running. You don't you don't run into that. That's going because in the end of the day, no one's gonna say the, the, everybody else's name. They're gonna say your name. Yeah. yeah. Right. You, Just like you John, and all some these others, the only one getting named there. Yeah. Right. So and that's still my best friend to this day. Nobody else I know. Nobody else was there in the end. In the end, when you know when your career is over, because they're not real. They just part for part for the ride. Thing with Jai is. Like, no one's going to say his other friend's names. They're going to say John's name. Yep. And they're not going to be there if if everything falls in the trash, right? They're not going to. So, you know, he got to stop feeling so obligated to these guys. Mm -hmm. You know, he got to stop feeling like like that, 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 keep, that if he don't keep it real, it's, it's a big mark against him. This is literally what I was gonna say is the Chappelle skit for when keeping it real goes wrong. Like he thinks yeah. he's got to be tough and and like show off this sort of angle, but it's it's not worth it. Nah, nah. It, it's our community teaches that that you got to do that. You have to do that. Mm -hmm. Same guys you grew up with, same guys you got to stay with. You got. I mean, listen, LeBron James situation is great, mm -hmm. right? But these are guys that you know that really knew how to make sure LeBron James protected LeBron James yep. and build something for, with the man and with themselves. Right. Yep. But he don't owe those guys anything. John don't owe these guys anything, especially they putting them in all these predicaments, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know, you know, and, and, and I, before I, and I don't want to kill John because I like the letter he wrote, you know, and hopefully he wrote the letter. And if he didn't write the letter, hopefully it was his words, you know, yeah, and he yeah. took full accountability. Yeah, I agree. Right. And I don't know. And, and he said something about, you know, I have to take some time off myself. And, you know, I don't know if it was kind of alluding to mental health. I'm not sure, you know, mm -hmm. stress, but you're in this situation. This is what you this is what you asked for. This is what you always want. No NBA player in the world that makes it here at this point can't say this is what we didn't want. We wanted all of us wanted this since six years old. Yeah, sure. No one accidentally becomes an NBA player. Right. You put in the work to get to that specific yeah. point. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you gotta take what comes with it. You're here now. I think a lot of these younger guys, they grow up, they have to grow up so media savvy when they're a top. 20 prospect and a camera's in your face when you're 12 at AAU tournaments and stuff. I, I did wonder a little bit if like job ja being a late bloomer and a guy that didn't bust on the scene until midway through, you know, uh, like Murray state, essentially not even a big school. Like if he missed out on some amount of like that piece and he's still like really young and, and we don't think of him as as young as he is like, this is probably very new to him from a, everything you do is under a microscope perspective. And, and hopefully that's like a learning curve to me. It's like, 
this isn't that bad in a vacuum. If it happens again after this, like after all the media outrage, like you've clearly not learned something there or not made changes or still have the wrong people around you. Like that, that's when I'd be like really worried if there were like follow ons to this immediately after. I'm I'm glad it happened when it did. I hate it happened, but I'm glad it happened when it yeah, did. Yeah, sure. But now you're also in the, you know, which I, because I'm, I'm thinking like it happens early enough in his career to where he can make a drastic change where, exactly. you know, it's the red or green pill. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I think, I think it happened at the right time. Um, it's just these, it's now this, it's the, it's the media, the social media attention age. Right. And I don't know if he's, he's addicted to trying to believe in this character he's portraying to the world to that's me. If, how important that is to him. It mm-hmm. seemed like that's very important to him. Yep. Because how many incidents have happened before? Well, so he had the, 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 the situation at his play. house yeah. with the 17 year old. Yeah. You had Pacers, the, the Indiana Pacers situation. That's those two the- situations. Now, you know, and we all know the NBA knows everything. They investigate everything. They, so, you know, they already knew knew those situations. They're already under investigation. Right. Any player, no matter if you, you say, okay, I know this. I better, I got to chill out. I got to, you know, I got to change. For me now to know all of that. And then myself hold the camera up, myself hold a gun up on social media to the world. It's, it's me saying I want to buy into this character more than I want to clean up, more than I want don't want to get in trouble or clean up my reputation. Yeah. Right. The character that I'm now deciding to be, that I'm, I'm this happened, this happened. It's like I'm saying, oh, these are stories I want out, and I want to now prove that I'm this character that they say I am. It's, a, it's an image you're cultivating at that point. Yeah. So that decision to me was like, you meant to do that. Right. We don't know the real story with the fight at his house. I think everyone that's played basketball at any level has been in some fight that's come from a basketball game. Yeah, but you don't, they don't go in his house and bring out a gun. Oh, but that's exactly where I was going with that. It's like, if it were just a fight, okay. Like everybody would be like, okay, it's relatable. But that's an intentional choice to bring a weapon into it. When you're right. with other people. Because it wasn't even on you. You right, went to exactly. go get it. Right. You have now you have now sought that out. And OK, we could maybe say, right, the thing with Indiana, one of your boys did that. OK, all right. right. But you do all those things together and now you nobody else posted that Instagram story. That was you. So I, I'm wholeheartedly with you that this is. Yeah, let me validate. Let me validate it all. Bam. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I don't know. Hopefully it changes. Um, and, you one, know, and I, I, I just, just he's an amazing player. Unreal, yeah. Unreal player. I mean, second to none. A talent you haven't seen in a long time. Probably mm-hmm. some things I haven't seen ever yeah. that he does. So I wish him, uh, I wish him the best. And uh, you know, I want him to come out of this and have the greatest career ever. I mean, you already Gator, what is the Powerade sponsor, mm-hmm. Nike sponsor. They got a signature shoe. Only like five signature dudes shoe. Alive. Come on, dog. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not a normal platform for third year player. Yep. I want to see him prosper from this. 
Same. I don't want him to see him lose any sponsorships. They went from like maybe the most likable team in the league to like the least uh, likable within like a few months. And and I don't and, know. They get and his, guy, his guy don't help over there. Nah, uh, Dylan Brooks there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Definitely doesn't help. Um, a little lighter note here just to switch gears. I don't know if you heard this one, but uh, Illinois basketball player Matthew Meyer said he was uh, missed several days of practice because he was sick. From caffeine poisoning, they lost a tough game, and he sat around and drank five monster energy drinks while playing video games into the wee hours of the night or morning and had to sit out for several days after because he was so sick from it. If I'm a teammate and we're fighting to make the NCAA tournament and you have to miss half a week of practice because you drank too much caffeine, I would beat your ass. Like, I'll be honest, like, I I don't understand why you would say that out loud. Just say it's food poisoning. Like, who admits to that? He was, like, kind of bragging about it, to be honest. That's the dumbest shit I think I've ever heard. But he sounded like he, uh, uh, kind of a video nerd, too. Yeah, exactly. Because the only way you go, only way, the only way you're going to go, like, drink that much energy drinks because you're not drinking those energy drinks just to drink them. You're drinking them to stay up and yeah. play this game because this game is that important to you. Yeah, it was like an eight-hour session or something. Right, like that. so which means now you're more like you're a game nerd. Yeah. So if from a, if you met those type of guys, mm-hmm. they have a unique way of thinking <laughs> and a unique personality anyway. That's true. Yep. So he just may be one of those those gamers mm-hmm. it just may be one of those really really gamer type people who ha- happen to be play basketball very well yep. you know so you don't expect him to probably give you a a normal interview That's very <laughs> so admit to not admit to it so yeah. as when you hear about what he did hear about why he did it and then say well why would you say that and uh, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's a different sort of dude we're dealing with. It's here. a different sort. Of, he's not. He's he doesn't look look at the world like you are. Yeah, this is a guy that was on NBA radars after you know the first year or two of his career as a bench player at Baylor because he had this upside, and now four years in, you're still really inconsistent. And if I'm an NBG, NBA GM, I'm going, oh, now I get it. Yeah, like you know, like I, you just killed your draft stock, but. Right. Maybe he can turn this into a, an NIL deal for Monster or something. Maybe, some money possibly, out. yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you probably you wouldn't be surprised if you go out and start LARPing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie Role Models, go give that a watch, too. Uh, all right, just um, circling us back here uh, to Wizards basketball. They play against the Detroit Pistons tonight. The Pistons are missing like everybody. It seems like everybody's banged up on their team. Jalen Duren may not play. Bojan Bogdanovic may not play. I haven't seen the final announcements, but that would limit them a lot. Uh, Kuzma may not play. Monte Morris is still out. Like, you have to beat these kinds of teams if you want to make the play in right now. Like, this is not one where you can play with your food. Like, go out and beat this team by 25. I don't care who you're missing or who they're missing. Like you got to bounce back after the last two losses. This is like the hardest game to play. You'd rather play a great team right now. Okay. But this is a trap game. Yeah, hard to get up for a team like that. It's hard to get up for a team game and game like this. Before you know it, you're in a battle. Mm-hmm. Like you really, as, a, as if, to me as a player and as a coach, I don't want this game at all. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good point. 
So yeah, they they this should be an easy win. Everybody's heard about man. This could be a difficult game here. And now you got guys fighting for minutes on their bench that want to come in and they're hungry. Yeah. Shit too. And now yeah, then it's that's a different type of player you playing against. First of all, you don't know who he is. Yeah. Right. You know, you don't have a lot of scout details on this guy. Makes sense. And this guy is not a guy who's played already played in maybe 70 games during the season. Mm. Fresh legs, fresh hunger. It's a trap game. It's yeah. the worst game you could play right now. That makes sense. And it's the first game of a back-to-back. They play the Hawks on Wednesday, and then the Hawks again on Friday. So that, that'd be very easy to say they're looking at those Hawks games as a team they need to beat in the standings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good and Hawks game now. And that Hawks game was a good game, too. And it, it's tough to play a game, a team that you just played, mm-hmm. even especially a team that you just played and beat. Yep. Why? Because the winning team never makes adjustments. They say we won with what we did. Mm-hmm. The losing team, they go back to the drawing board and say, hey, we're making this adjustment, that adjustment. The winning team usually don't know, mm-hmm. right? So it's always that That's third game you play, which is the really the deciding factor who's the better team. Mm-hmm. So right now, it's not a good – playing the Hawks a second time, it could be tough too. I hadn't thought of it like that. That's that's really good perspective. I, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll see it. They're like what what wrinkles they bring from the last game will be really interesting. Yeah. So we have some. Uh, we gotta we gotta look at these teams like they're both. I mean, every team now you have to see the same way. Yeah. You know, if you don't take on every team now with the same mindset, you know, we can't lose any games. Games yeah, they, you're supposed to get are the are the ones that's, that you really that's hardest to get. Mm-hmm. Yes, eighteen must win games between now and the end of the year. Yeah, sure. Uh, Johnny, any parting shots on anything you saw this week, Wizards wise, or anything we didn't touch on that you want to throw out before we close up? No, nah, man, I think we covered a lot. I appreciate you. Yeah, this is great. I think this was probably our best episode yet. We're hitting our groove a little bit, you know. Like hey. this is like the Wizards. We're we're seeing each other on the court a little bit more here now. We're 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 getting it going. Getting on our stride, you know? Absolutely. Uh, All right, everybody, stick around on the back end here. There's going to be a 10-minute segment with Jacob Duell of the Pick and Roll Australia talking about new Wizards player, Xavier Cooks. Actually, Jahadi, that was the one thing I wanted to ask you about. They're bringing this guy in from Australia. How hard is it for someone like that to, like, gel with the team right now or kind of fit into the roster this late in the season if he comes in with, like, 15 games left? It depends on what type of player he is. Okay. Right, and how they utilize him. Right. If he's really a good player, it doesn't matter what what we're running, what right, because the hung the opportunity, the opportunity is gonna take over and either he's going he's gonna match the opportunity and surpass it or he's not or he's it's gonna show what type of player he really is. Right. It's this right here will reveal what we have. Mm-hmm. And if he if it's what they think if he's anything what they think they have. Then it's the perfect thing for me. He does, he doesn't even have, have to know all the plays because obviously they bringing him in like a Denny type, right? He's like a Denny type, so. which means yeah. which means you're gonna stand, you're gonna catch the ball off on the corner. You either you're gonna try to try to go downhill or you're gonna pop a pop and shoot mm-hmm. the ball, right? So it's simple. So if that's the case. It, they, I'm sounding like they're bringing him for his athleticism and yeah, you know so. his versatility. Yep. 
we'll see if that's what it really is. I mean, if that's what it is, it's going to show. But for him, it's a perfect opportunity. So it's, get to play in the NBA. No, no, no stage is bigger, yeah. right? You're going to step up to the stage or not. My only chance I'm stepping up to the stage, to the opportunity. I see him doing the same thing if, if he's that real one. They mentioned that he has a contract that he signed through next year. I would very much doubt that next year is like fully guaranteed. So for him, like coming in and playing hard these last 15 games and no one scouted you, like this is an opportunity to make an impact and hopefully just the energy and maybe fresher legs that the, you know, the NBA players have would be big too. I don't know how much fresher. I mean, he's been playing They've played professional 30, ball in, in, in 30 uh, games Australia, right? There. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't get to get away with everything you get away with here. <laughs> yeah, they're beating you up over there, too. Yeah, I mean, just you you practicing, you practice. No one sits yeah. out. No superstar. Sure. You know, it's not superstar treatment like they the get travel's away. travel's probably so, different, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he's, just, he's he's been through it already. Makes sense. Good point. Uh, yeah, thank you. for. I'm, I'm glad we touched on that before um, switching over here. All right, everybody, you know the drill. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good, uh, good stuff here. And... Stick around for the last 10 minutes with Jacob Duell of the Pick and Roll Australia and Jahadi and I will catch you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, I'm pleased to welcome in Jacob Duell of the Pick and Roll. Uh, covers all of, all things Australian basketball, so we've got a real expert on here. Uh, I think the NBL is something we don't get a ton of coverage of over here, so uh, this is a, a thing that's a little nebulous to us, and obviously Xavier Cooks is now important to Wizards fans. Uh, he's uh, the newest member of the Wizards, I guess, starting in the next two weeks here, so I guess, uh, Jacob, first, thanks for uh, joining the show here. No problem. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm, I'm excited to be on. And Xavier Cooks has been a really fun player to watch in Australia, a really, really good guy to watch develop. So I'm excited that Wizards fans get to enjoy him now and, and we can talk a little bit about him. I'm, I'm kind of bummed for you guys. It seems like this is a good dude and, and we're stealing him away a little bit. Yeah, you, you get a little bit of that in the NBL. You, you like to see your players doing well in Australia, but then, you know, when they do too well, they they go off to the NBA. But it's it's hard to to fault them, especially a guy like Xavier, who who has really had to work for it. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like it. So I guess just really abstractly here to start out, what is he? What kind of player is he? What should Wizards fans expect, I guess, here? We, we've seen a couple of highlight reels, and it's mostly him just like throwing down monster dunks on people. But I guess what else can we expect? Yeah, the the dunks get the highlights most of the time. That's that's one thing he definitely does really well. But honestly, Xavier Cooks, what he does well is is almost everything in my view. You know, he's he's a forward. He plays the four and five mostly in Australia, but he's a really good passer for his position. He can defend pretty much any any position on the court, at least at the NBL level. Obviously, mm-hmm. that will change with the athletes in the NBA potentially. But sure. uh, he's good attacking off the dribble one of the best transition scorers I think the NBL seen in a long time. So he really just does a lot of little things really well. And overall, sort of the whole package is is really well-rounded. One of the questions I got before we recorded here was just, 
how could this guy be MVP of a league without really being able to shoot from the perimeter? And and my response to that was, well, how did Giannis win MVP of the NBA without being able to really shoot from the perimeter? I think to your point, it seems like he can do a, a lot of different things out there. But I guess, do you buy the shooting? Like, is he a reliable enough shooter for at least make teams kind of, you know, to keep teams honest, I guess? Yeah, look, he's he's never going to be a high volume shooter from the perimeter. I think that's kind of become obvious, but he he's shown the ability to at least knock down the three every now and then and as you say keep teams honest i think mm-hmm. this season he's he's shooting right around 33 percent. but last year again at low usage he was up around the 40s so yeah. it's it's not like he's he's completely incapable of of making an outside shot it's certainly not one of his strengths mm-hmm. but it, it is something that that he can do if if it's what's needed if he's left wide open he, he can punish the defense every now and then so for anybody who's not familiar at this point, he played for four years at Winthrop here in the States and was a decent enough college three-point shooter. His last year, he was only 32% on about two attempts. But the two years before that, as a sophomore, he was about 40% on three attempts. As a junior, he was about 35% on three attempts. So there's there's some track record there of at least being able to shoot it. The form is not uh, particularly aesthetically pleasing, though. Uh, we're in like the you know, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, uh, Sean Marion, Joakim Noah kind of uh, ranks here as far as ugly shots go, unfortunately. It doesn't look great, does it? And and the other thing that's a little bit concerning is that it kind of translates to the free throw line as well, mm-hmm. where, again, he was a respectable shooter in, in college, sort of in that high 60s into the 70s. But that's just slowly sort of declined. And he's, he's only just above 50% this season from the NBA, which has been a bit of an issue at times, you know, mm-hmm. late in games or, or things like that. But you, you kind of hope that he can he can rediscover that shooting touch that he had earlier in his career. And look, if it's going to happen, it's going to be with the coaches that they have in the NBA. This is the kind of thing that they're they're used to dealing with, I think. There's also probably more space in the NBA, I would imagine, too. Uh, there's probably more shooters across the board. And I've watched enough NBL to know it's it's a reasonably physical, you know, physical league. And it seems like He's able to stand out that way, but, um, you know, maybe given a little bit more time and space, uh, he feels a little more comfortable knocking some of those shots down. Yeah, and I, I think that the extra space in the NBA will will really help the other parts of his offensive game as well. You know, not only the better shooting, but the, the deeper three-point line as well. There's just more room to operate offensively. And mm-hmm. he's a guy who, he's not a big who's going to, you know, post up and, and put on a move and and score that way but he can he can catch on the perimeter or face up in the block and attack off the dribble he's got a really quick first step so you you give him that extra space to work with and i I think that could really elevate his game a bit more so you hit on a little bit here i think kind of the first question for us is like what's his ideal role in the nba and i've watched literally one and a half games so far so you're much better suited to answer this than i am but i saw him as like a small ball big right a four or five depending on the lineup and he can kind of do the dirty work but be switchable uh, but but not like a full-time wing or anything like that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. I think he's he's more suited to that small ball big kind of role because he, he is the perfect sort of switchable defender in that position. He He's strong enough to, to guard fours in the post, I think, when he needs to. But at the same time, he's shown in the NBL that he can switch out onto the perimeter and he can he can stay with wings, he can stay with guards. And he can defend them pretty well. He's he's got pretty good fundamentals out on the perimeter as well. So I think that the fact that he can sort of protect the rim and guard on the perimeter 
you can see him in the NBA where sometimes you just got to switch like crazy. Mm-hmm. You, you can see it working there in that role. And that's something the Wizards definitely seem to need more of, you know, like switchable, versatile defenders. And and they've tried to do that. They've got Denny Avdia. Kyle Kuzma does that to some extent. And it seems like this is the kind of guy that, that can be malleable for them. And that's something that they really needed as somebody that plays a lot of positions. To me, I see like a little bit of like Brandon Clark in Memphis, kind of that small ball big, but he's so athletic. He can be a lob threat. You can put him in the dunker spot, uh, but he could also drive a little bit. You mentioned the four assists there. I, I guess this isn't like a Ben Simmons kind of thing where like he's a point forward, but he can definitely like create for other people, right? Yeah, 100%. As you say, he's not someone who you're going to give the ball to, to to run the offense, but he he really is a a really good secondary playmaker, you know, when when the ball's swinging and, and he catches it on the move, he's he's going to find the right option nine times out of ten. And and also in transition, he does a lot of his defense, but oh, sorry, his damage, both uh, both scoring and passing the ball. You know, he can handle the ball a little bit when pushing out on the break. And so he, he's someone who he's not going to be making, you know, flashy passes behind the back or anything like that, but he, he knows when to make the pass and, and and who to hit at the right time. I think that's the thing that Wizards fans have been wanting to see more and more of uh, from Denny Avdia here and, and the Wizards to like give him the freedom to do that. And it's nice to have another guy that, you know, uh, DeLon Wright for us is a ball mover. We've got a couple of these guys now that they're not really going to like create a ton of offense for people, but the ball won't stick with them. And it, it sounds like if he can be another guy to do that, that makes your offense a little tougher to guard. I guess, what do you think of the fit of him next to Kristaps Porzingis? To to me, it seems like he could be the guy to do that dirty work that Porzingis doesn't really like to do, but allow them to be more switchable. In in my head, yeah, it kind of makes a lot of sense because, as you say, Kristaps maybe doesn't do some of that dirty work all the time. The the criticism for a lot of career has been, you know, the rebounding and and Mm -hmm. some of that, that defensive work. So... I think you put Xavier Cooks next to him and and he's someone who will fight for every rebound and and happily play very physically under the basket and and sort of cover any cracks that might show up. So I think when you you add in as well, you know, Porzingis, someone who can shoot the ball from the perimeter and maybe that offsets some of the the few concerns in Cooks's game. Mm-hmm. I think it is a really nice partnership. Probably probably as good a pairing in that front court as as you could hope for from our perspective for Xavier Cooks. The Wizards have had a reasonable amount of success this year playing Porzingis, uh, Porzingis next to Daniel Gafford because he kind of does that that dirty work that we talked about. But the problem with Gafford is he can't switch. So now you basically have two drop coverage bigs together. If you can get Cooks in there and he can you know, eat up some of those minutes next to Porzingis, I think that's uh, even more to their benefit. What's what's your sort of projection for him role wise? You know, this is a little tough. To, you never know what opportunity he'll get and stuff like that. But what can you kind of see him maxing out as? Is this uh, one of the first couple bigs off the bench, like sixth, seventh, eighth guy in the rotation, or are we talking end of rotation guy? I guess how excited should Wizards fans be in in your opinion? Yeah, without wanting to you know get expectations up too much, I think we're. <laughs> In Australia, we're all a little biased about Australians who go to the NBA, so I don't blame you. Getting a little bit overexcited, <laughs> but um, look, Xavier Cooks is a guy who who people here have been saying could be in the NBA for the last three, four years, and he's only gotten better from there. So, the the way he's played this season and this last couple of seasons in the NBL, it's kind of easy to picture him in that role, as you say, as one of the first couple of bigs off the bench, and partly because 
he is playing at such a high level, but he's also got that skill set that just fits seamlessly with pretty much any lineup. I think he, he can he can make it work with anyone. So no matter what the Wizards end up having down the road or what lineups they're running with this season, you, you can kind of see him coming in and being an instant spark when they need it. So it, it's it's kind of easy to see him playing some significant minutes fairly early off the bench from my perspective. It seems like a high basketball IQ kind of player. Typically, when you have guys that have a decent amount of assists, especially for their position, are, are also guys that steal the ball a lot, especially in college, like he was a steal machine. Those are usually indicators of guys that that just understand where to be and are smart. And he's got the physical tools, so it seems like he can leverage them pretty well. I guess, is that a fair assessment of him as a you know a smart basketball player, I guess? I think so, yeah. He... He doesn't tend to make a lot of mistakes out there, which which considering how many different things he does, it, it's kind of impressive. And I think the fact that as well, uh, in the NBL, he's he's not been as high volume defensively, you know, not that many blocks, not as many steals as he had in college, but all, all the numbers say he's still by far the most impactful defender in the NBL. So just his his positioning and his timing contesting shots and all those little things that I think speak to sort of the overall IQ they're all really off the charts when he's been playing in the NBL. So I think that definitely will will help to ease the transition into the NBA. I mean, this has no disrespect to the, the NBL because I have a, a good amount of appreciation for the league, but the NBA is a more athletic league, I think is a fair assessment. Um, he looks athletic even by NBA standards. Like what caliber athlete are we talking about here? Yeah, it was interesting reading... Uh, on ESPN Australia just yesterday, they had a chat to Xavier Cooks and he said himself, basically, I'm closer athletically to your average NBA player than your average NBL player. Mm-hmm. He's just a, a sort of a class above in the NBL. And as you say, the NBL's certainly not on the level of the NBA, but it's it's become a, good league. a closer league in style and, and mm-hmm. in athlete to the NBA in recent years. But he's someone who I, I can't imagine him struggling athletically, even even at the highest level. He's He's just got so much bounce and and really quick first step and and quick in transition. So I, I can't see that being an issue. I think again, it's it's almost a better fit for him in the NBA than in the NBL in that sense. And I think one of the the pros of the NBL is, like I said, it is a physical league. Like you can you can bang with guys and, and you can mix it up a little bit. I, I've seen a couple questions about, you know, Xavier looks like kind of a slight guy and and maybe not the the like the bulkiest of dudes, but He's able to play in the play in the paint over there in a league where like people mix it up and you know you're bouncing off the Andrew Bogut's of the world and Jock Landells and, and people like that that you know that, that aren't afraid to like bump you around a little bit and that doesn't seem like it's been a problem for him. And you're typically not getting quite as many foul calls either when yeah. you when you're getting that contact under the basket. So exactly. yeah, he's 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 a tough guy. He's he's stronger than he looks maybe and he has said himself that he's he's going to look to to put on a little bit more weight once he gets to the US which i think is natural but for, for the time being i think he can he can definitely hold his own under there we've heard that uh he will come over as soon as the sydney kings finish up you know the, their championship run here potentially uh the series is tied 1-1 as i understand it and it's a best of 5 series is that right yes yeah that's correct so game Game three coming up this Friday, and then I think the latest the series can possibly finish is next Wednesday. So okay. at most, he's he's a couple of weeks away. Yeah, that's great. And based on this, it sounds like this is somebody that could be ready to go. And I think there's more things that the NBL is starting to do in common 
uh, NBA wise in terms of what teams run. So it doesn't seem like it would be super complicated for him to kind of pick up the offense and things like that. It's probably more terminology than it is actual concepts, I would imagine. Yeah, and it, it probably helps him as well that Sydney for the last couple of years are coached by Chase Buford, who coached uh, Wisconsin in the G League, I think mm-hmm. spent some time with the Bucks as well. So having an American coach with those NBA links probably bridges that gap even further because, yeah, the, the schemes, even some of the terminology might sort of translate across fairly nicely there. I have a soft spot for Australian basketball players. Anybody who listens to this podcast has heard me say this before, but I did Joe Ingalls' first ever uh, interview with an American outlet uh, when I was writing for Draft Express and was a big fan of him pre-draft. And obviously the draft process didn't go uh, probably the way he would have liked it to go, but he's come around and had a really good career. And uh, I I don't know that uh, I see Xavier having the same exact level of impact that, that Joe's had the last couple of years in the NBA, but uh, it'd be a really cool story if he's another, you know, guy that could come out of like the, you know, Institute of Sport and, and like um, produce at a reasonable level here. It'd be cool to see. And I'll say one thing about Xavier comparing him to to Joe Ingles. Everyone everyone knows Joe Ingles. He talks some trash. Yep. He'll get up in your face. He's a bit of a dog. And Xavier Cook's 100% cut from the same cloth. He's, yes, love it. He's someone, he's, he's, he's not going to back down from anyone. He'll talk a little bit. As, as you've seen in the highlights, he's he's happy to try and dunk it on someone's head and then let them know about it. So he's someone who I don't think is going to be overawed by the NBA. He's going to be happy to come in and, and, and make people know he's there. Ah, that's music to Wizards fans' ears, I think. We always talk about we need a few more guys that are, are willing to come in and, uh, you know, uh, mix it up a little bit, let's say. So that's uh, that'd be awesome. I think it, it sounds like the Wizards found somebody here that, that fills some real holes for them. So I'm, I'm actually... Uh, excited about this and I'm excited about you uh, coming on here and, and taking the time to do it for anybody wondering how podcast logistics work there is a time difference here so um, Jacob this has been great thanks for taking the time most important question I'm going to ask you here on the show where can people find your work if they want to get smarter on Australian basketball and so I, I write for the pick and roll Australia which uh, as we call ourselves the home of Aussie hoops so if you want to know about the next the next Xavier Cooks or, or Joe Ingles or anyone else coming out of the NBL uh, yeah, head to the pickandroll.com.au. That's awesome. And I'll uh, make sure I link that here in the episode description. Uh, thanks again for the time. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll try to take uh, good care of your guy here uh, during his time with the Wizards. No, I appreciate that. Make sure you look after him. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Once again, that was Jacob of the Pick and Roll Australian website covering all things Australian hoops. And uh, we just really appreciate him taking the time to kind of enlighten us on the newest member of the Washington Wizards. Again, for anybody not familiar, Xavier Cooks played at Winthrop, plays for the Sydney Kings now. He's 27 year old, six foot eight, athletic forward. And we're looking forward to seeing what he can do for the Wizards over the rest of this season and next season, as it was announced that he has a contract through 2024. So we'll see what we get. Uh, but, uh, you know, at least now we kind of have a better idea of what we can uh, maybe expect. So thanks again to Jacob. As always, this has been Believe in Wizards. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we are presented by betonline.ag. And we will catch you next time. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.